I feel like it's been a very long time. Shit, I'm not trying to knock anything over. I feel like it's been a very long time since um, I have just done an episode where I talk about movies and TVs and shit. <laughs> and it's been a very long time since I've done an episode by myself. I don't. Motherfuckers be busy. Everybody got their own schedule and shit. So I was like. I don't feel like begging a lot of people to be on an episode of me. This is my first episode by myself since like 2020 of just so this is I'm nervous a little bit, but um Episode 96 was funny. I was doing this show weekly for a long time since March of 2019. Theoretically, I should be on like episode 160. But between the pandemic shutting down, me and my co-host going separate ways, me coming back, me doing sports content, and just me doing find myself creatively, it's been a long time. So I've been prolonging getting to, because I don't know what I want to do episode 100 yet, but this is episode 96. And I got shit on in the background. I'm sorry, y'all. Um, so for those that still listen to me. I appreciate you guys because at some point I don't know what the hell I'm doing anymore. Um, I do know this is fun. This is very fun. Um, it's this has been a hectic and chaotic last few months. Um, I had a plan for 2022 to really just do a bunch of content and stuff, but then my remote work from home job said, "Hey, you want to come to the office?" A few times a week, and a few times a week turned to every day, and I live, and at at that point, I live 40 miles away from my job, so that was hell. I spent a long time trying to, between one, to finish my draft of my book, I want to do some other stuff creatively, um, do some other stuff creatively, um, do basketball content, of course. I still want to eventually do YouTube again. I'm at a place now where I can finally do it, and it's fucking July. And that kind of upsets me a little bit because I wanted to go full swing, but I could not have predicted that between me moving to my own apartment. I'm in my own apartment, guys, if you don't remember. And shit. Me being in my own apartment, going to work twice a week, freaking commuting 40, 40 miles to doing that twice a week, doing that three times a week, to doing it four times a week, stressing, trying to find a new job. Now nah, I'm, I'm calm now. Everything's calm. Everything's cool. I've realized it's easier to do basketball content because I could just talk about hoops and shit. I could talk about the OKC Thunder all fucking day. Hell, my new, um, a lot of my Zoom, uh, I don't like people seeing the background during my Zoom or Teams meetings at work. So I just have like a big OKC Thunder logo <laughs> as my background. <laughs> I can talk about that all day. So eventually I want to start a podcast with my guys. Just We just talk strictly basketball. So for those that want to hear me about mo- movies and shit, you don't have to just sit there. Oh, is he posting up? So um, that's just basketball. So if you don't like basketball, you don't have to hear it. Uh, but I do want to get back into doing this. But here I am. I'm back. This is episode 96. I'm sorry for rambling for a minute. I'm trying to staff at the time a little bit, but uh, I was supposed to have an episode out for you guys last week, but 
since I'm a big procrastinator. I forgot. I didn't forget, but I'm. I was going out of town, and with me going out of town, I was going to New York. I was gonna be in New York for like five days to see my my wonderful friend, fan of the show, friend of the show, and Dag asked her other friends that I did not know. They call her Daggy. And you got to see me and Shad. Who does my basketball episodes? We got to see her get married. And it was just a wonderful time. So, shout out to Dag. Hope you're enjoying life as a newlywed. This one's for you. And trip was overall fun. I got to see Dominicans and Ethiopians get lit at a wedding. I didn't know that should I didn't that was a thing on my bucket list that was never on my bucket list. I'm like, oh, this is really fun. I wanna go back eventually to New York. But that's besides the point. Um, all that rambling to say, I'm behind on a lot of shit. That's what I'm supposed to be talking about with you guys. Uh, so fuck it. Uh, where should I start first? Um, Stranger Things season four. I think I'll start there. I am thoroughly surprised at how much I enjoyed this past season because. Stranger Things has been a show where I think at one point it kind of lost its identity. <laughs> oh, oh, excuse me. I think it lost its identity on what it wanted to be as a show. Because it's drawing a lot of 80s inspiration. And essentially, when I first saw Stranger Things, it felt like something from it had blend. It had like little moments of. It felt like where it was oh my! It was clearly a love letter to the '80s and Stephen King, but it had moments of like very sci-fi horror, like it's very B movie, straight from the '50s type of style. So when I'm initially watching the show, I'm like, this would be a great anthology series in terms that that's kind of what it was supposed to be initially. But I can't blame the Duffer brothers for wanting to kind of continue, try to figure out a way to continue the story because the cast themselves, these motherfuckers are grown. They're not grown, grown, but they're like, like teenagers. And like, I think the youngest out of them is like 18. The oldest is like 20 out of that group. Like they're not the whimsical children that they used to be anymore. And I think we fell in love with like, oh, these are, these are, a premature Scooby-Doo gang type of kids and and kind of got to find a way to force this narrative and story so season 2 to me was just like not good season 3 was so much season 3 was better but it felt like more in the style of like a blockbuster like I feel like I was watching Back to the Future at times and it didn't do much for me like I initially fell in love with the show for Season 4 tried its best to go back into form. I'm saying this is I have my Hawkins High School uh, Hawkins High School tank top on that I normally work out in. It's hot as hell in Texas, by the way. But I feel like Season 4 it's it did its best like if I was actually not terrified, nothing much scares me like it used to anymore because I watch a lot of fucking scary movies now. But this, it has moments to where I'm, it has moments where, first of all, 
Vecna is terrifying. Oh my god. And if you could spend your... Well, I know a lot of people complain about the kids being like older. But first of all, I think it's just because you grow up with them and watch them grow up. It kind of was... It will kind of shock you in that form, but there it didn't do much for me. But kind of knowing the six place to eighty five nightmare on Elm Street was like a big thing at that point because my mom watched it when she was in middle school, high school, and so when I first saw Vecna, I'm just like in my mind, I was watching. I was like, this feels a lot like it, and it feels, uh, of course, because Stephen King influence, it feels a lot like it. And it feels a lot like Nightmare on Elm Street, especially dealing with the character of Vecna, who would haunt these teenagers. I'm pretty sure everybody's seen it, but you guys know who's haunt who like they would haunt these teenagers who were instead of like Freddy Krueger will haunt prey just for the hell of it. He would haunt these teenagers who felt some form of guilt and use that guilt to pretty much kill them and create like these portals from the upside down to the real world and overall I guess I'm not going to give you freaking synopsis of the show but overall man Vecna himself was terrifying to an extent my thing is going with him I think by the time he killed I think by the time we got to Max, when he was hunting down Max, his method kind of got old and drawn out to me. So it wasn't as freaky and terrifying as it used to be. I'm, it's kind of in the same way that people would complain about. Like people complain the same way, like Scream and Ghostface no longer becomes terrifying because you know this motherfucker will call you and hunt you down and just kill you with a knife. There's nothing really creative with it. That's kind of the same way I felt about Vecna nothing wrong with it but I wanted that kind of fear to kind of last all the way through to by the time the finale that just came out like a week and a half ago I was just like oh, well it's going on two weeks by the time I dropped this episode by the time that came out, I'm just like eh it is can we wrap it up a little bit please that's more so because episodes themselves are long as hell Jesus Christ, these are episodes long. The first part of season one didn't feel that bad because at this point now that a lot of TV shows, they're not kind of written in the same 45 minutes with 15 minute commercial slots. A lot of a lot of we kind of go operate on the premium model where you're free to experiment through the 60 to 75 minute, even 80 minute mold. It's not that big of a deal like it used to be. But you were wrong as hell for giving me a 90 minute episode and two and a half hour episode. God damn, that shit was long. But I'm really enjoying the journey of these kids and what's going on with Hawkins. I feel like they set it up perfectly to where if they wanted this season to just be the end, it could have been the finale right here. But... It clearly feels like we're in. It feels like we're actually in the final season, and I'm for the first time in a minute. I'm hooked into what happens next. Thoroughly enjoy it a lot, and man, do these guys, do these characters 
do if anything that I know for sure, Duffer Brothers do for sure know how to make you feel for these characters, man. I remember uh what is his name? Fuck, I can't remember his name in season two. I was calling Rudy. Rudy fucking the kid from Stand By Me Sam and Lord of the Rings. When he got killed, you felt it. When we thought Hopper died, you felt it. When Billy died and Billy was a fucking piece of shit and he was a racist, you're like, damn, you feel his impact because like he was terrible. Like he was awful. But when he died, it's like, oh yeah, this guy got possessed and he was just like here to just do what it like his life was gone essentially. Like there was no coming back from whatever. And I said I did say Eddie, man. I've kind of in my mind, I knew Eddie was going to die from the beginning because I think once you get to that moment of everyone thinks that he's the one killing people and performing a satanic ritual. It's like, yeah, there's no way this character can live because there's no way he can shoehorn these people out of nowhere believing that Eddie is a good guy without it just feeling unnecessarily forced. So, man, they sold Eddie's death. I was truly sold on it and bravo. I was actually sad when he died, man, and um, I definitely feel like they made, they had to choose who they wanted to kill off between Eddie and Max. Surprise, Max survives, even though her bones were broken like she motherfucking hit the Dougie too hard, and her arms, her one of her arms and her legs snapped. Like Jesus Christ, I've never seen legs like her legs snap like Kevin Ware. Initially, I got it's up in the air if she's blind or not because she couldn't see shit. Because she was halfway in the middle of being killed by Vecna, so we're gonna find out what that does. Because, as you know, with the victims of the Mind Flayer who live to tell a story, they're still affected, as you see with like Will. Will still to this day feels the presence of the Mind Flayer, and no wonder if. Max is going to still feel that connection with Vecna and the mind. And the same with the Will is connected to the mind flare. I wonder if she's going to feel that connection with Vecna. And if you, they're going to feel that connection. But I'm just curious. Preferably, I would have been fine with Max dying. I would have If you want to kill both of them, you can kill both of them all. I feel like Max's story ends right there. But I say you want to kill off two main characters. So you just kind of pick and choose. And people do love Max. Max is a great character. I really do enjoy her a lot. If there's any character out of the whole group I would have preferred to get killed off, I would probably prefer Will to get killed off in season one because they give Will nothing to do in the season. I guess their whole his whole storyline is they insinuate that he's in love with what is this Mike? They kind of say he's in love with Mike. I can't remember his character's name. He's in love with Mike, but they don't do anything with it. I don't mind if his character is, of course, like who cares? Like I really, who cares? There's nothing wrong with his character being gay at all. If you want to go there, but if you want to go there, go there. But when you do nothing with the storyline, what we, my overall question is kind of, what are we doing here? If you're doing nothing with this character, what are we doing here? Are because Will hasn't done much in any of the seasons outside of maybe he had a he had a he had an arc in season two. You don't do much with him in season three outside of just using him as a pawn of. Overall, getting older, but he's kind of stuck in that little moment or time, even though he was only gone for maybe a month. 
in season one. There's nothing left for him, so might as well just kill them off. But maybe he's the one that you're saving to take down the mind flare in the end, which I would preferably I would like to do that. Give him something to do where his character is worth it because I don't like seeing wasted characters at all. Like every single character in this series has had a purpose for what they're doing. Outside of well, I even feel Lucas's sister, Erica, gets more to do in this series than Will does. Everyone gets a lot to do except for him. But okay, I do appreciate the entire cast. They're all great. Steve's great. Maya Hawk's character, Robin, is her name Robin? I'm not looking at any notes. I'm just kind of thinking off top. She's phenomenal. Um, I was kind of just thinking. I said her name is Maya Hawk. I said she looks kind of like Ethan Hawk. Well, I said she looks some. I kept thinking. I said she kind of looks like uh, Uma Thurman a little bit. It turns out that's actually Uma Thurman's daughter, so I think that's a cool fact. But she looks just like them. That is actually funny. She's great. I love her. I love her um, chemistry with Steven. I always say Steven. His name is Steve Harrington. Steven, whatever. I like her chemistry with them a lot. And I want to see more from... I keep the, the chemistry that we get between all of them, I do enjoy. But... I do want to see a lot more of it, but I'm just curious on what it's gonna, how it's gonna end. Eleven is at the point where at Eleven and Mike's relationship is kind of fully whole. Lucas and Max are in a weird place. Dustin lost his friend. Will is just doing whatever. I'm just curious on how you piece everything together because you get one season left. When you get one last season, this is it. So it's not me saying it's gonna be asked. I think it's gonna be really good, but I'm just curious to just I'm, and they're waiting another two years. So I guess they're gonna do just fuck it and say fucking to do a time jump. Which, seeing how season four ended, I guess. But I guess we gotta wait two years to see what happens. But I'm in. I'm in. I'm sold. I like the season a lot. Probably my second favorite season out of the entire series. The Boys Season 3. I like how I did that transition. The Boys Season 3. Was it worth the wait? Yes. Yes, 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 yes. I got interested in The Boys when it first came out and I read the entire comic series. I'm like, wait a minute. This comic series kind of sucks ass. And... (laughs) I would have been very disappointed if they went up panel for panel adaptation for the entire I'd have been disappointed doing a panel for panel adaptation for the entire um, series because reading the entire reading the actual comic the thing the interesting thing about Garth Ennis and his comic books he does not like superheroes and you could you can get that feeling from reading preacher or reading the boys like oh this guy he likes creating comic books, but he's like, oh, I'm, I don't do superheroes. I'm better than that. The Boys, the series flips it on its head. You take these archetypes and you kind of find something interesting to say. Season three, Homelander is fucking terrifying in this show. 
He's almost as terrifying as he is in the comics. He's a little bit more terrifying in the comics. But you give him a little bit more character. Instead of him being... Which he shows signs of he with how... Instead of him having multiple personalities like he has in the comics, he taps into insecurity. A longing, like he has this one, he's never truly been loved. You get, he was raised in the lab, he's never been truly loved. Everything in his life is a facade. And he was given this team essentially to be his family. But since he does not know what real love and nurturing and kindness is. He's pretty much abrasive, and you kind of really get that with his character and how he treats the rest of his team. What they did with Soldier Boy is phenomenal because, again, what they did with Soldier Boy. Again, what they do with Soldier Boy and the comics themselves, he's nowhere near close to what they do. In the series, I do like how they put him on ice. Kind of the same with the whole Captain America thing, and they flip. And instead of realize Stormfront was a woman in season two, Stormfront in the comics was the original Nazi regime hero or whatever villain whose DNA was used to create Homelander. Instead, they use his DNA. They use Soldier Boy's DNA to create Homelander, and you get those before they reveal it. You kind of get those parallels very early. You get those parallels very, very early, and it kind of to the point. As terrifying as Homelander is, I feel like they kind of oversold what Homelander was going to be this season. In comparison to how they're advertising him, because again, I read the comics and like, oh my god, Homeland was fucking unhinged in this series. Like, he's terrifying, but again, maybe what they're eventually going to do is going to happen in season four, or season five, or season six, wherever how many seasons you get. Homeland is really terrifying in comic books, and I'm not looking forward to seeing what the fuck he's probably going to do. But there's a lot of layers to kind of what's going on. So I watch this series, this season all the way through once. I don't know where I should start with my thoughts on it. Um, wonderful job humanizing Billy the Butcher. And Billy the Butcher is actually a terrible character. Also, at one point he becomes a true antagonist in the comic books. And I think you do a great job humanizing him. To where he's clearly a piece of shit, but you see where he's coming from a lot. You see his background and how... Even how he sees Huey. Like, there's no reason that... You would think... There's no reason that him and Huey kind of stay in this... Stay where they are... In their relationship. But you realize he sees a lot of his brother... His younger brother who he abandoned left behind... And Huey, so the compound and whether when these two guys they take compound V, great element because that's one thing that was in the comics that they didn't do in the show that I really do enjoy and appreciate the most because 
these guys are so anti-superhero. And I think now that you're building up to season three, and as much as knowing how much Billy really does hate, knowing how much the Billy really hates these soups or superheroes, for him to take temporary V, because in the comics it took actual compound V and they became superheroes. Huey actually got super strained to say he's a tele- he teleports went on temporary V. And once Starlight kind of tells him that that temporary V will pretty much kill you because it causes lesions in your brain. It does this, 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 and that off of X amount of doses. Hugh, not Huey, uh, Billy the Butcher, he does his best, like, in his own sick way, instead of just saying, hey, man, we can't do this no more. It's going to kill us. But I got this. He knocks him out. Like, that's just kind of how... That's him. That's just kind of how it does. The one thing I know the people roasting Huey for was this. Uh, I know people kept obtaining it to, like, just chalking up to, like, toxic masculinity and shit. Because how he always wants to be safe, starlight, and be the hero, this, this, and that. First of all, they shit on Huey a lot in the show. I've seen Queen Maeve call him like a twink. I've seen folk call him a cuck. I, they've done this nigga so dirty. It is actually sick. But it's not. he's not fragile in that sense. But you have to, like, once you remember, I think Big Business on Twitter said, Huey's a professional bad bitch fumbler. And I kind of quoted Twitter. I said, you have to, I said, you kind of can't forget. Huey lost his first girlfriend to at the to the hands of a suit under a train and there's nothing he could have done to stop it like in the blink of an eye he's about to kiss his girlfriend and then she's dead because of a train like he can't do much about it so of course he's going to always try now that he figured now he found a way to get powers he's going to try his best to protect her which he was in the right like not he was in the right right but when he teleported, even though he now he was fucked up because he told Starlight he wouldn't do it anymore, he did save her because Soldier Boy's not play games. He was about to air that bitch out, and he did. If you didn't get killed in that explosion, you one hundred percent lost your powers. So, like, he definitely did help her in at some point, and I think Starlight has a lot of dip on the chip because she's. She's good at what she does, but she's not. She's not that guy. Victoria Newman had to remind her about making her nose bleed. She's not that guy. So it's kind of a little interesting mix of these two personalities clash. Like one person sees heroes for what they are, but now he has powers so and he wants to protect her from what's going on because shit's going to get real. And someone who really wants to be a hero. And I think this story eventually ends with just Starlight may suffer the same fate that Maeve suffered and she just loses her powers. And she just lives happily ever after with Huey because I think that's just naturally how their story is going to go. Because you can't... I think that's natural as the story just kind of progresses. You can't just kill off Starlight and have Huey lose a woman that he loves twice. You can't do that, really. You can't kill Huey. You know, 
I'm I'm not again ha- haven't had episodes myself, so I'm just kind of just rambling on. This is what I'm here for. We just ramble. We just talk. What is next on that season? How the season goes? I know Homelander kind of takes over Vought. Victoria Newman. Victoria Newman is gonna be is gonna run for vice president. Here's what's gonna happen. Victoria Newman. I think she's gonna be running for vice president. Her and the president are gonna win the election, and she's gonna pop the head of the person of her running mate. And that's how she becomes the actual president. What she does after that, no idea. No idea. But that's what I think is going to happen with that storyline itself. And I think Liza Alonzo's mother milk, he was amazing. He was great. And there's a lot of parallels with... There's a lot of parallels with um, how what the world's going on today. Like Homelander has some Trump in him at times. His followers can be seen as a proud boys. I know um, Mother's Milk's ex-wife is now with Todd, and he kind of shows proud boy propaganda and agenda is just nasty all over at times part of that at times like that it just doesn't work for me but at times it does so i gotta take the good with the bad i sometimes feel like it's too on the nose for my liking but i can't be mad at the same time so i guess you just gotta just gotta go with the flow i'm still in all in on the show and i'm excited to really watch it season four is gonna be great in my opinion so we'll start to go soldier boy Soldier Boy. Unbelievable. A lot of people always make jokes about Captain America probably being racist or like him sitting by at, or being part of the freaking um, on the other side of the civil rights movement. That's Soldier Boy all day. And with their team called the Payback. With their team called the Payback and um, the Black no- and how he's getting the revenge on all them because they, they pretty much tried to get Soldier Boy killed when initially all they did was just give him another superpower to eventually they gave him a superpower that could actually render all super soups like useless because in they these superheroes they're they're not seen as people really. As we kind of see them in comic books, like the one thing that I really love about reading comic books or like I love, I love reading like All-Star Superman is like how you humanize these powerful beings. You don't get that humanization from them in the boys like there you see them from the eyes of in a sick way. You kind of see them from from Vought and you kind of see how other people see them. They're just sentient. WMDs, weapons of mass destruction. So they have a contingency plan to if these niggas get out of line, we got Soldier Boy. And home like if in the comics of Homelander got out of line, they have Black Noir sitting there as a contingency plan that no one knew about. And now Soldier Boy's off of ice, he's pissed. 
So he's going after his entire old team. And Black Noir. Black Noir, they gave him so much characterization. And I loved him for it because he was one of my favorite characters in general. Because I just like when motherfuckers just kind of just go. He just don't go. He doesn't say much. He doesn't do much. And you get a lot out of him for him not to say or do much. And the fact that he was killed by a Homelander. Spoiler. Man. And the reason that Homelander killed him was like, you kept secrets from me. You lied to me. Homelander was only really close to Black Noir because Black Noir was the only hero in the deep who did not care. Again, these, these they're marketing tools. He didn't care about he didn't care about elevating his career. He didn't care about being bigger than Homelander or worrying about his brand like A Train is, like the Deep is, like Starlight is, like Queen Maeve is. He was just there to just be there and do his dirt. He didn't talk, so Homelander could really just talk his feelings out uninterrupted. And so the fact that he's like, you kept a secret from me, Noir doesn't talk. So it's just kind of in a sick. I guess he's always meant to die by Homelander's hand. And I said, I'm going to miss that. I, I, really did enjoy Black, I really did enjoy Black Noir before I realized what twist they were going to do with him. But boy, and I was watching Diabolical today, side note, and I was like, damn, I'm really just feeling this. They're making a spinoff of the boys, of the boys uh, next seat next year. It's around the G-Men, which is basically their version of the X-Men. Oh, I was about to get sick and nasty. And I'm excited for, to just watch that shit because like, I love X-Men so much. What's next? That's the boys. The Black Phone. I fucked with the Black Phone heavily. Again, I missed a lot, so. We got 30, 34 minutes. The Black Phone was one of the coldest movies that I've seen recently. I saw the trailer for it a long time ago. I forgot about it because it was supposed to come out in February. So when I got asked to go see the movie, I was like, what is that? Is he not gonna see the black phone? It seems like a type of movie. I don't, I don't know what that shit is. But this movie, oh my god, it's so fucking insane. It is by Scott Derrickson, who directed the original Doctor Strange. He did Sinister, and he did the Exorcism Emily, Ro- the Exorcism of Emily Rose, and. Where should I start first? Okay. So, it is based off of a short story written by Joe Hill. That's Stephen King's son. It's just funny because I'm like, this feels like a Stephen King-esque movie. And essentially, this kid is always, who's pretty much getting, him and his sister, who are always getting kind of beat up and shitted on. And they're, he's getting shitted, he's getting beat up and shitted on by his bully. She's getting like, shitted on by her father. And there's this kidnapper and serial killer called the Grabber. He kidnaps 
kid like kidnaps uh boys and they're never to be seen from again of course it's done of course his kid he gets kidnapped and um of course he gets kidnapped and freaking again i'm i didn't write it notes i'm just thinking of something of course he gets kidnapped and I guess you find out that both of those children, they have this weird ability that their mother had where they're connected with spirits or any form of spirituality. So the sister has so the sister has dreams about shit that really happened or is happening. And the brother, the one who gets kidnapped, there's this black phone that's that's cut off. But the wire is cut in the basement. And it constantly rings. But the killer also hears it. And that's why he's always like, don't answer the phone, don't answer the phone. The kid answers the phone, of course. And it's the ghost of the children that were previously kidnapped. And they're giving him tips and clues. And the shit they're trying to do to help them escape but didn't work. And they're constantly kind of he's constantly trying to piece together. He's like, hey, don't go up that stairs. He's like he's going to leave it unlocked on purpose. And if you go up there to try to run out and escape, he's there and he's going to beat the shit out of you with the belt until you like pass out. Oh, he used my bike lock to lock his door. I think I wrote the combination here somewhere. Oh, I got this wire. Oh, I'm digging this tunnel or like a bunch of shit that doesn't work. And ultimately... And it's one scene, man. It's called spoilers. This this whole episode is spoiler filled. There is one scene where nothing works to help him escape. And he kind of accepts defeat that he's gonna die. His the last call he gets is from his best friend, the one who's kidnapped before him. And he tells them, hey, you're going to say, remember, I told you one of these days you got to stand up for yourself. You got to fight. Today's that day. And there's this parallel. And it's kind of it's one of those things like cinematically where un, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like because he again, I say he did Sinister where. Visually, it's things that we can see, but the main protagonist can't see, like with the ghost. It's kind of like things that, like, ah, fuck. It's kind of like things we can see, but they can't, but the protagonists themselves can't see. So, like, it's a beautiful scene where it's just like these two parallel next to each other, and he's teaching, like, these moves on how to fight. Because, like, this kid is the one who put... He's just the lucky one because... this Apparently, this phone has rang every single time a child has gotten kidnapped. But he's the only one who's ever been able to hear it. And he pieces everything together to help him. There's no true way out. So, he has to just fight this nigga. And beat him. Uh, he has to beat him up. Seriously. Beautiful movie. It is nowhere near as scary as Sinister. Sinister is such an evil movie. Oh my god! I think I watched Sinister the night after I saw the Black Phone because I never seen I never saw Sinister ever. 
I did not sleep for a week after seeing Sinister. <laughs> the Black Phone is really good, though. Shout out to Amazing Movie. Ethan Hawke is also in it. Ethan Hawke did a phenomenal job. And, like, there's such a... And you can see and the whole motif of the Black Phone itself, because the killer can hear it. It is... It's him shunning that the phone away, and I was like, "Don't answer the phone. Don't pick up the phone." It's his, that's supposed to be a metaphor for his guilt, and that's why he always constantly wears a mask because, like, oh, that's not me. So where he can just hide behind his guilt of murdering children. And I think I love the fact that this killer does not get much. I love how the killer doesn't get much of. Um, characterization because one i think i'm at this place where i'm over the i'm be i don't know if it's because of marvel or like just a lot of things i'm kind of at this place from over the empathetic villain we're like hey we understand where they're coming from oh he was just this this and that i don't give a fuck i like characters to be evil just because i love them being a means to an end and you get that perfectly with the black phone that was amazing so bravo it almost beats out. It almost makes my favorite scary movie of the year list. But that has to go. Well, the number one scary movie of my list so far. It has to go to. But X wins. X still wins that battle. I think it ties with Scream 5, though, for sure. Got 40 minutes in. Thor Love and Thunder. I, didn't, I did not know this was about to be. I'd also have to come in and talk about Thor Love and Thunder real quick. Until the internet happened. Of course, because me being in New York. And the wedding was Thursday. I couldn't go see the movie Thursday like I normally go see Marvel movies. I couldn't see it Friday. Because I had to work half the day like the early part of the day and i went to go to the museum of moving image which um oh my god i love the museum so much there's like a the top floor is dedicated to like a bunch of zombies and shit so like it was like a lot of base of like night of living dead day of the dead and there's a whole exhibit dedicated to the walking dead we're it was just one of those. And then I got to see the Jim Henson experience. I had nothing but Muppets and Sesame Street. Like, all. Like this is a, it's pretty much to say, hey, all the shit that you would like as a person is in here. So I was really rocking with it. And I finally saw Saturday. I saw so many complaints about this movie. Like, oh, it's overly joking. Oh, it's overly too funny. Why did I walk in this movie and I'm like, this this the same motherfucking quality as Thor Ragnarok? And I thought I was tripping. I saw the movie again Monday night with a friend. I saw it Monday night with a friend. I said, okay, now I'll see because I prefer to see a movie twice before I heard the time to discuss and talk about it. I got to watch a review through Double Toasted and the whole thing was um And and the whole thing was uh, why it's so divisive. And one the guy these these guys are all actual critics, and they do the podcast together. They crack jokes through whatever. When one of them said, 
he didn't care too much for the movie, but he also didn't care for Thor Ragnarok, and he didn't really give Thor Ragnarok a good review either. And it's the same. It's they both have the same exact elements. I said, okay, so I'm not tripping. I thought I was going crazy for a bit. Here. I'm starting to. So I'm just like, is it Uchi Wally or is it is it Uchi Wally or is it one Mike? What is it? Because over is it overly dependent? Is it like ill time jokes? Marvel's been doing ill time jokes. Like Thor was discussing to us his depression and his survivor's guilt in Endgame. And Rhodey's talking about, oh, you got cheese was in your blood. Like these are they do this all the time. So to me, it's just like I think after at one point, I think maybe we first accept that what Marvel is, and it it's really divisive itself as a whole because truthfully, they're gonna cut their. In every movie, because not every movie could be fucking two hours and 45 minutes, you're going to leave things on the cutting room floor because a lot has to happen in the movie. I'm, me personally, I was perf- I was perfectly fine with leaving Gore the God Butcher to be in the background because this movie is called Love and Thunder. It's supposed to, you're, you're bringing back Natalie Portman's Jane Foster. And we're really kind of going into this whole thing with her character. She has cancer. And Mjolnir is called to protect her. And she, that's how she becomes the mighty Thor. So you're kind of having Thor and Jane rekindle their relationship. And their love comes back once more as she's dying of stage four cancer. I'm more interested in that then I am in Gore. It would have been nice to see Gore go through and kill more people. Yeah, sure. Would have been nice to see more Guardians of the Galaxy. Yeah, sure. It would have been cool to see them. But I know we're about to get Guardians 3 next year, so I'm not tripping too much on it. Let's kind of get into it. Are, Ill, are the jokes ill-timed? For sure. They're definitely ill-timed. Um, 100%. But Marvel's jokes have always been ill-timed, so I'm not going to kill... One movie for doing something, but not keeping energy for the rest, because that's not my MO. I don't do that. If I'm going to just chill on one, I'm chilling the other. But I think I'm at this place where, what, where, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back, bring it back. Korg's jokes are about equal as they are in Ragnarok. Piss off ghost. I didn't print enough pamphlets. Thor trying to break open the window and the medicine ball hits his face. The jokes about him getting his hair cut. The Matt Damon, they bring the Matt Damon joke back, of course. In the CGI, again, we're attacking things because Marvel's always kind of been notoriously known for body CGI. That's nothing new. Like, we were shitting on Marvel CGI back when Black Panther came out. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just to me where I think it's overall. And I'm going to get into the top. I'm going to really talk about Phase 4 in a minute. But I'm kind of wanting to follow, like, a little certain flow uh, with my conversations. I'm at 47 minutes. Okay. Things that I did like about the movie a lot. I liked how this movie was. 
I'm. It's cool to see a Thor movie that it had nothing to do with Loki. I'm kind of happy to see that a little bit because, to be honest, Loki should have been dead. But I think he became such a well-loved character. I. Yeah, so I think that's kind of an interesting moment for me. For me, it's cool to see. I know at times it seems like Thor goes through the same character arc, but it's because more so he's really a stubborn person that really doesn't grow that much. But he's forced to change and grow. And now you have somebody who... You're having someone who didn't know how to be a king or be a leader, who has... You're seeing somebody who is... Corey Sama, someone who is loved... And lost and loved and lost and loved and lost. He's always constantly trying to replace his failures and defeat. And now he ends this movie in a place where he truly just feels whole as a person. And I really did love that. A lot, actually. And I actually really do appreciate because the essentially Gore is wants to go to eternity yes that eternity Gore's goal was to kind of kill the gods to go to eternity. Yes, that eternity from Marvel Comics. And wish away. It's funny, we've got multiple motherfuckers, things I can wish. Current wishes in Marvel Comics at this point now. Or the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And wish away all the gods because gods are seen as false idols and false prophets in Gore's mind. He decides to bring his daughter back after seeing Thor. Instead of wanting to kill Gore, he wants to ki- he wants to be there with Jane while she pass- while she dies. He decides he just wants to bring his daughter back, but he recognizes he's dying as well too. And Thor takes on the responsibility of taking care of. Thor takes on responsibility of taking care of frick, of um, of his daughter, which is actually Chris Hemsworth's real daughter, by the way. And I think we just see a place where Thor is just—he has responsibilities. He's finally accepting of who he is. He's—he doesn't want to be king of Asgard like he used to want to be. He doesn't follow. He doesn't want to follow his father's footsteps. He accepts. Like, love comes and love goes. You just have to keep going forward. And I can really appreciate that. Now, Taika Waititi's comments on... Director's Cuts. Snyder fans. Snyder fans. Snyder fans. I know that Snyder Cut got folks acting up, but... 
What he's saying about director's cuts don't add much to it. He's not lying. And some things deserve to be on the cutting room floor. Here's one thing. Here's where my perspective was about it. Film is a collaborative effort. Directors getting a director's cut, getting a director's cut, essentially insinuates that this project itself is solely the director's, which it never really is. It is on certain occasions, but it never really is. You have a writer, you have a writer who's separate from the director. Then you have the producers, the executive producers, and the editors. Oh, and the director of photography, all working together to create a product. And there are certain things that directors want to put in the put in a movie that is important to them. But a lot of times, seeing directors' cuts, it is it will disrupt the pacing of the film. It won't add much to the film. There's not many times where a director's cut necessarily makes the movie better. Alien Three, the assembly cut, they didn't really have a focused direction. David Fincher was just kind of just there. Like, it was never... They just kind of had him as a placeholder. They were just kind of just wanted to make an Alien 3 movie just to make an Alien 3. Justice League. They had two separate directors making that movie. Joss Whedon, who controlled all the reshoots, and Zack Snyder. They said, hey, we'll just give you all all the shots of you done. We'll give you, like, extra few million or like multi-millions. Shoot some extra shit and just make the cut you want to make. Cool. But that's not the case for everything. And why should, to me, the director have more say in the final saying? Which, again, the director is hired by the studios. Because a, a script, typically, either a studio had an idea for a movie, they hired someone to write it, and they hired someone else to direct it, or a script made its way through... From the writer to the studios. Okay, cool. We'll pick up the director. Like, if Barnes Corsetti said he wanted director's cut, that would be kind of odd because he doesn't write his movies. Someone else normally writes it. Either Scorsese will kind of have a passion project. Someone will write it. He directs it. Or someone else will will write it first. And it comes across Scorsese's lap. And he really wants to make it. It's a collaborative effort, so I don't know. The director's cuts are never truly the end all be all because a lot of these movies don't really, like I said, they don't bring much value and or make the movie different. It just disrupts the pacing, and I believe pacing to me is one of the most important factors of movie in general. Truly, pacing can never be understated, really. And that's why, because even when I was watching, let's keep, go back to Zack Snyder. Quality-wise, there's not much of a difference between the Batman vs. Superman the Ultimate Cut and the original. Yeah, you, you add an extra 30 minutes of scenes for what? It doesn't change the quality of the movie. Same with Watchmen. He has three different cuts of Watchmen. It's neither movie becomes better quality. The first version is 2 hours and 43 minutes. The second version is three hours. The third version is four. These movies never really change in quality. So Taika does have a point with director's cuts. There's like four different cuts of Blade Runner. 
they're all the same to me. Like Apocalypse Now. I have three different ver- I have three different versions of Apocalypse Now. Like yeah, they're different, but it doesn't change the quality of the movie. I started saying, "Oh, his vision got out." And to me, more so, say, "Hey, in some cases, a director's cut to me would be, hey, we fucked up on our side. We kind of fucked up some shit, and we want to kind of do you solid. Like you was used down. We fucked up some shit. We feel bad. Let's let you do some shit. Let's let you do this. Hey, man, you had this mental breakdown on set, and you kind of fucked up in, in the, I'm talking about Apocalypse Now. Hey, you had this mental breakdown on set, and it was kind of hell to shoot. Let's let you do whatever rights you want to do with this movie and make this yours. Cool? Cool. Blade Runner, that's like a bunch of guts of Blade Runner. Doesn't do much. Hell, even, they gave, they gave Ridley Scott free reign to do with Alien what he what he wanted him to do. Because they they ruined the Alien franchise. They gave him free reign to do what he wanted to do. In Prometheus, lukewarm reception. Alien Covenant, lukewarm reception. That's his creative vision. That's what he always wanted to do and explore with the Alien universe. And it did what? Nothing. Shocker. Like, <laughs> what are we doing here? Like... And to kill Taika Waititi, and one thing I said, you can feel however you, you can feel however you want to feel about director's cuts, but this motherfucker, he's still Oscar nominated three years ago. Jojo Rabbit is phenomenal. Love that movie. Taika is amazing. And he's going to continue to do Thor, whether you like it or not. That's sorry. Guys, I'm sorry. But that's just kind of how it's going to be. He's going to continue to do Thor. And here's the thing. Y'all can say, hey, want to play Taika, he ruined Thor. Let him motherfucker. Because I've realized comic fans don't really know what they want. Because you guys are romanticized to Ken Branagh's Thor 1. Taika, let someone replace him and make an overly freaking, what is it, medieval, whatever the term is, because I don't have a phrase for it, and I'm going to say, man, we really missed the whimsical Thor. I One thing I really do like about Thor itself is like, at least Ragnarok and on, I love how it's like a very, it's feels like a very 80s power ballads and metal inspired because I was a big fan of that shit back then when I was like a teenager in high school. So seeing Astrid who's now who calls himself Axel Heimdall's son and how he loves Guns N' Roses. I was a big Guns N' Roses fan when I was 12. I was a big ACDC fan when I was 12. I was a big Dio fan when I was about 13. Like I was into that shit. So it was just cool to just kind of see that form. It was like, hey, this guy, like see all that put into a comic book. Cause like the closest that I probably would get into seeing that that gave me that feeling was probably Exo Man of War. I read those comics when I was like nine. It's cool to just kind of see that kind of ill shit. Like, give me He Man vibes. Give me freaking Flash Gordon vibes. I want to see that shit on screen. I might as well just use Thor because Thor at the end of the day is a fucking alien. 
I don't want to see. We're talking about a guy that's an alien, and we deal with like technological advanced race races, and he's a god. I don't want to see a lot of Norse mythology because in there he's not Norse mythology. He's a fucking comic book character. I want to see more of that shit. Give me some craziness. Give me Ballast of the Seventies with Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't want to see no earnest drama, earn like earnest drama until you bring me another Avengers movie. Leave that characterization there. But that's just me. That may just be me though. Now, how are we feel? What's the heat? What's the heat check and vibes on Thor? How are we feeling about Thor? How are we feeling about? How are we feel about Marvel? Marvel Phase Four. I've seen a lot of complaints about Marvel Phase Four. So, damn. How I feel about Marvel Phase 4 as a whole? I've noticed post-Shang-Chi, there's been a lot of complaints about Marvel Phase 4. I mean, Black Widow is something. Black Widow to me isn't terrible. More so to me, Black Widow is a product of... It should have came out like four years ago four or five years ago oh five years ago now this movie came out mind you last year so four years ago at that time five years ago now and i think that is Outside of that, Shang-Chi, I wasn't really big on Shang-Chi. I love the fight sequences. I love how you humanize the Mandarin as Wenwu. I don't really care. I I think him as a villain was kind of... Again, I'm not really big on empathetic villains anymore because I think Marvel kind of drove that and played it out. But for each of the movies, Black Panther's okay. Shang-Chi was pretty cool. I actually I actually enjoyed Eternals. Eternals has its issues, but I was never really like just going crazy on it. I think it is perfectly fine. I think it's clearly you take this crazy concept and you shrink it in two hours. Of course, there's going to be a lot left on the cutting floor. And maybe it could have been a TV show, but I don't believe that you should stretch something out over the course of five somewhere between five to ten hours because you want to overly explain everything i think a lot of things you could fill in the blanks but that's always how i've been taught how to study film i've always been big on show i'm really show don't tell i don't need to understand every single 
what every character is feeling. I could piece every you can kind of piece everything together. Chloe's job did a phenomenal job directing it. The acting was great. I think we're so used to people explaining stuff to us that it kind of. I think we're so used to um, things being overly explained to us to the point where. To the point where I feel like it's almost like we can't live without. To where we can't live without something be over, being overly explained to us. And that's just, to me, it's just not true. Like, I'm a grown-ass man. I don't need, I understand the vibes. I don't need you to explain everything to me that much. Is it a mess? Yes, it's a mess at times. But it's an ambitious mess. And I can appreciate, I appreciate ambition. So it's, it's some things I just don't really complain much about. It could have been better. Yes. Is it the worst thing I've ever seen? No. I think y'all kind of went a little bit too hard on that. No Way Home. I enjoyed No Way Home the first time I saw it. Well, I saw I saw like four. Well, I saw like four times that week. I think because I saw it twice the same night. I enjoyed it the first night, and I just kind of sat there and thought about it. It didn't do as much for me as it as most people did, but I don't hate the movie. It's fine. Um. I noticed a lot of complaints started kind of coming in when Doctor Strange came out, which thoroughly I enjoyed Doctor Strange a lot. Yeah, I do. I enjoyed Doctor Strange a lot. They said, "Oh, there's so much we have to keep up with." I'm like, "Is this Wandavision really? This you have to keep up with Wandavision, and that's it, and maybe Loki." And this is early on to the MCU shows before they start really beating us over the head with them. I don't think there's much that you... And you can find out... You can find out on YouTube a lot of shit you need to keep up with, really, more than anything else. That's like, hey, keep up with two properties. That's fine. That's nothing. That's that's what? If I watch both, that's maybe... T- maybe... Is me, maybe, maybe 12 hours of content? Maybe 12 hours of content like this. And again, Doctor Strange came out in May of 2022. WandaVision came out January of 2021. Loki came out in June of 2021. I don't. I really just don't believe you when you said you did not have time in a year to watch just two shows. To understand what's going to go on. But at the same time. People want the Marvel movies to kind of, they're waiting for this at the same time waiting for this universe implication of what you're getting in WandaVision. You're getting in Doctor Strange when talking about incursions. They're doing Secret Wars because we're getting Secret Invasion. They're doing all of this. You get it in Loki with uh, you're about to get. I'm telling you, it's really just trust the process at this point, because clearly Kang the Conqueror is going to show up in Ant-Man Quantumania. And a variant of Kang, which is the one above, not the one above, is it the one above all? No, not the one above all. Fuck, what was his name? But you know, Jonathan Majors. He was like the good variant. 
he was yeah he was the good variant and um it's self it's self explanatory like just at the end of the day I preferred I don't care about big universe implications and phase four right now because the one thing the Marvel needed was a reset let's we saw some crazy shit happen let's get to know these characters once more you know I want to really get to know these characters once again like give me I want to get to know these characters once more like where are we now post snap because I don't want to see more content about the snap because we've seen that quite a few times already it give us something more because you're about to bring us Fantastic Four you're about to bring us X-Men just But let us, you know, let us just reacquaint ourselves with Marvel. Why not? Like, just trust the process. Because I know Marvel hit peak popularity in Phase 3. Trust the process again. Like, it's not that hard. It's going to make sense eventually. If you want to discuss it, you want to debate the quality. I know because there's been discussion about why v, visual, uh, VFX companies don't want to work with Marvel anymore. Because they have, like, strict deadlines. And they're making them work like crazy. But, yeah, that's a different conversation for a different day. But. I don't think that we can just act like Marvel. I don't know. We just decided, hey, we're not going to do shit. I trust the process again. I was 12 when. I'm 26 now. I was 12 when Iron Man 1 came out. I just didn't watch a bunch of bullshit. Seriously. I had to sit here and watch a bunch of bullshit for years. Iron Man 2 was not good. The first Captain America, I know we like to. I know we like to romanticize the first Captain America, but it was not good either. Thor was not good. Up until Avengers, not only like the first Avengers movie, like, we didn't get much. It took us four years to see the vision. And even still then, Iron Man 3. Divisive movie when it first came out. Now motherfuckers think it's great. We think it's underrated now. Hulk, The Incredible Hulk. Divisive movie. Actually, it was, no, it was considered two-pack ass when it came out. Now it's a beloved movie. Motherfuckers talking about, oh, we, we miss Hulk. I Okay. <laughs> I guess so. Now motherfuckers like Hulk. Now motherfuckers like the Incredible Hulk 2008. Okay, I guess. I. I was there. I was there in 2008. I seen the. I seen the box office numbers. I seen the reviews. But okay, I guess that's where we at now. I. I guess my nigga. Hey, <laughs> this is what we doing. I. Iron Man three, divisive as fuck. Why didn't they redid Mandarin and Shang Chi? Like, divisive-ass movie. Motherfuckers did not really, like, it made a lot of money. But the casual viewer enjoyed it. Com the hardcore comic fans didn't like it. I wonder what that sounds like that just came out. Hmm. But that's the shit, though. Like, Thor 2, ass. Marvel did, re like, we're just like, what the fuck is, like, this shit? Okay, cool, like. 
we just kind of had to just trust the process because that was the only comic content out at the time, really. Because the Nolan trilogy at that point was done. Man of Steel was okay. Like, it was cool. Like, hey, we got this new Superman. It's cool. Like, we fuck with it. But that's all we was having. So it's just like, if you, was, if you like both Marvel and DC, the Wolverine was okay. It wasn't nothing to do backflips over. At least I wouldn't think so. And now we're, like, we did this already. Like, every few years you get some good comic book content. And you just had to just kind of sit there and like, man, I'm a comic book fan. I just got to see it. And just hopefully it'll just figure itself out. Man, I was so hyped seeing X-Men First Class. And then seeing Green Lantern, like, a month later. And was like, was pissed off. Um, that's just what it was at the time, really. Seeing the Dark Knight Rises, which I was a big fan of. I didn't care for the first Avengers like that. You see Superman. We see the Wolverine. We see Iron Man 3. Again, I wasn't a big fan of Iron Man 3 either at the time. I didn't hate it. The MCU to really start... Because again... Let's bring it back to 2014. post credit scene of Captain America and Winter Soldier. Right? Right? Yeah, y'all remember? post credit scene for Captain America and Winter Soldier. You're clearly bringing us to, hey, we got these two twins. They're called Miracles. Okay. It is Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. But Quicksilver was about to be in Days of Future Past. Okay, Age of Ultron wasn't that good. Like it took Mar, but I love Guardians of the Galaxy one. It took Marvel a good minute, and even motherfuckers hate on Guardians one. I forget this said, Oh, if it wasn't Marvel, it'll be a regular movie. Ain't won't make no money. You want a cookie, my nigga? Like, ooh. Hey, okay. Fun fact, guys: a movie not based on IP is not gonna make as much money as a fucking IP. Ooh, you told us, you sure did tell us this time. Marvel turned itself around with their marketing for Captain America Civil War was amazing. I was on Tumblr daily at the time, and I'm just seeing a bunch of gifts. And I'm seeing, I didn't see the trailer at the time, I think I just woke up. And when I say online was doing the marketing for these niggas at this point and again these niggas ain't show us nothing that we should really be taking them seriously because their last effort to us was age of ultron which is okay it was again it was okay i'm seeing the dave Chappelle parody uh the dave Chappelle uh rick james parody and it's black panther's face on charlie murphy's body talking about, and i kicked the shit out of him I'm like, whoa, 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 what is this? And I see the trailer. I'm like, oh, my God. These niggas are really giving us Black Panther. Oh, shit. We're really, they're really about to give us Spider-Man. It was fresh. Like, oh, we're getting Black Panther. Oh, they're really, we're getting Spider-Man MCU. We have the juggernauts already. You got to just wait and just find the one. Maybe we may not feel that feeling again until we get Blade. 
You may not feel that feeling again until we get X-Men. You may not feel that feeling again until we get Fantastic Four, but it's okay. Trust the process, my nigga. It's as simple, yo. Just trust it. It's okay. I know you don't like nigga America. I know that I know you don't like Papa Doc as Captain America, yo. That's okay. I know y'all don't care for Hawkeye. I know y'all don't care for Miss Marvel. Which shout out to Miss Marvel, they actually made her a mutant. I thought they was about to make I thought they was about to do I thought they was about to do the Terrigen Chris the Terrigen Miss thing. And make her an inhuman, which I was okay, we're about to bring back the inhumans. Okay, cool, whatever. Shout out. I rock with it. I love it all. Like I wasn't a fan of Moon Knight. It's okay to not be a fan of shit. It's saying like reading comics. Like they be heroes we don't rock with. Like, oh fuck the biggest. We're not reading that shit. Don't watch it. We're not in a place where you need to where everything has implications for one another. Just don't watch it. Don't read this shit. It's okay. Like when did he just when did, was it just wrong just to just okay, I'm not rocking with it. Why you gotta have hot takes about the whole fucking universe? Like the whole fucking phase, like it's some shit I rock with, some shit I don't rock with. It's been like that. It's been like this. Straight up, everybody knows me as a comic book fan. I was X-Men, Spider-Man, Batman, and Superman. That was my shit growing up. It took me a long time to get into Fantastic Four. Guardians of the Galaxy was not popular at all. When they first announced the Guardians of the Galaxy movie, I said, who? I said, them niggas? That are like my favorite MCU MCU movies. They announced the full cast. I'm like, bro, you telling me in 2013... Oh, Marvel hired Vin Diesel, Zoe Saldana, Chris Pratt, Bradley Cooper, and Dave Bautista. What? Who's this British nigga you hired to be Spider-Man? And he's Tom Holland. First ever billion dollar Spider-Man movie. Far from home. Motherfuckers caught COVID. The Omicron. To see far to see no way home. It's okay, yo. Like it's perfectly okay. Just not everything needs to be have a think piece or hot takes. You rock with some shit or you don't. Moon Knight could have been more violent, yes. But again, like motherfucker, they're selling they're selling to a broad audience of market because they want to collect that cash, they want to collect that cheddar. Kids are gonna want to see it too, yo. Like, if you don't want to watch it, don't want to watch it. Watch the boys. Go check out Preacher. Go check out Legion. Watch Invincible when it comes back. Go watch the Batman. There's content. Go watch Deadpool. I got both Deadpool movies on Blu-ray. Check out that shit you want to check out if you want adult content. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like on the fuck them kids attitude because it's super gatekeeping to me. Why is super gatekeeping to me like oh well ultraviolet movies? Because I was six when the first Spider Man movie came out. And even then, we went on a Sunday after church. I was in kindergarten. It was the fact that my mom was so fucking chill about it. My mom's fucking nonchalant and chill about a lot of shit and she wasn't just so chill about a lot of shit she would probably not she would not let me see the second one that first movie was oh my god like we watched green goblin 
blow up motherfuckers, kill people, and eventually stab himself in his own abdomen. I was six. Like, it could have easily just me having a strict parent. Because, no, for sure. If the movie came out a month later, and I would spend my summers with my religious grandparents, because I spend my, spend my every summer with them, they'd be like, no. Absolutely not. They they will take me out the theater so freaking fast. And again, it's like we're kids. I'm not, I have good memory. I'm not that far removed from that shit. I'm not going to add gatekeeping. I'm talking to my aunt on the phone. And her friend, her close friends of the father for a child, they co-parent. And I know we all said we want Doctor Strange to be even scarier. We want to be even scarier than what we got. Meanwhile, she mad at she mad at him because he took their fucking seven eight year old child to go see Multiverse of Madness. And he's like, "Oh, this is inappropriate for a child." And that seems mild and tame because we fucking grown ass adults. But that sounds very gatekeepy to me. To be like, "Oh, fuck them kids! Ha 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 ha! Fuck them kids! What?" <laughs> What? What do you mean, fuck them kids? Like, bro, they're comics. Children like comic books, dog. I read comic books as a kid. And unless they're characters that were created to be mature characters, again, I will give you Moon Knight. That was some bullshit. I can let you have that. But like Daredevil is a mature character. Punisher, mature character. Deadpool, very mature character. Like, it's crude humor. Spawn, mature character. I'm not talking about specific runs. I'm talking about the, the, the backbone of their character is mature ratings. You can have that. But Batman, the most iconic character, no, they're not going to make him R-rated. No. No, they're not going to make Spike... No, they're not going to do Craven's Last Hunt and make Spider-Man super psychological. No. What? No, they're not going to let Superman kill people and make them be evil. What? Like, what are we doing here? These are characters enjoyed by all ages. And they, as much as we revere Stan Lee, may he rest in peace, everyone's hero, he created these characters for all ages to enjoy. You can at least honor that shit. I would think. Right? Right? I ain't trying to hear me though. This is episode 96, y'all. I'll catch y'all next time for episode 97. I don't know when that's going to happen. I'm going to be like the Frank Ocean of podcast. It's going to drop on the drop. And don't ask me for it. Or I'm going to push it back even longer. But y'all peace out. Thank y'all for listening. Love y'all so much.